Welcome to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, where we talk about issues facing our Big Island community. Island Conversations, Sunday mornings on KWXX at 6.30 and on B97B93 at 7 a.m. Or listen anytime at kwxx.com. Island Conversations, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916. Now, here's your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. Aloha. Good morning. Welcome to Island Conversations. Remember that we air these broadcasts on Sundays on KWXX and on B97B93 and the following Fridays on KPUA 670 AM in Hilo. And we're always available as podcasts online at kwxx.com or b97hawaii.com. Today we are going again to talk about homelessness, but from the perspective of addressing the mental health and substance abuse issues, which are often intertwined, which affect some of the homeless who need and whether willing or not may not be able to get the help they need. In trying to research this issue, I found articles from the American Public Health Association and the National Institutes of Health, many, many since 1989, all suggesting that drug or alcohol addiction and homelessness are intertwined. When I spoke with Brandy Menino of Hope Services and Sharon Hirota from the mayor's office a few weeks ago, they spoke about building additional housing for homeless people, but they acknowledged our capability to help homeless people deal with drug and alcohol use is limited. They suggested that expanding the discussion to include Dr. Hannah Preston Pita of Big Island Substance Abuse Council could shed some light. So that's what we're doing today. So first of all, I'd like to welcome back Brandy Menino, who is the CEO of Hope Services. Aloha, Randy. Aloha, Sherry. Thanks for having me back. And Dr. Hannah Preston Pita, who is the Chief Executive Officer of the Big Island Substance Abuse Council, or BISAC, which has been working for 50 years here in Hawaii. Dr. Hannah is a licensed clinical psychologist and certified substance abuse counselor, getting degrees from the University of Hawaii and Argosy University in Honolulu. She's worked around the state on the issues of drug and alcohol addiction and rural health care. Dr. Hannah, aloha. Thank you so much for being with us. Aloha, thanks for having me here. Well, I'm really glad you're here. What exactly is BISAC, the Big Island Substance Abuse Council? The Big Island Substance Abuse Council is a behavioral health treatment service, and what we try to do is take into account the treatment services for mental health and substance use. We've been in operation since 1964, so this year we're celebrating our 55th anniversary. Wow. Yes. I'm not 55. (laughs) Well. I I can see that. I can definitely see that. And to have been there at the beginning, you'd have to be like 80. And I know you're not 80 for absolute sure. So what are the biggest substance abuse issues you see here on Big Island? Very interesting. We are always at the tail end when it comes to national reporting. So the data that we're seeing here, and it's been this way for some time, is that the primary um, substance of choice is methamphetamine or ice. Secondary is alcohol. And third, tertiary is our pakalolo or cannabis. I find that really interesting because a lot of people say and feel that marijuana cannabis is a pretty innocuous substance, but you're seriously treating people for cannabis addiction? Yes, definitely. It is actually something that we specialize in. And what's happening is that it is a core occurring substance that's used with other substances. So it's usually like if you're alcohol or if it's, um, if it's ice, then they'll usually use the pakalolo to come down on the ice effects. Oh, interesting. Yes. Now, is that true for people who are 
either homeless or just normal, ordinary people who have substance abuse problems? It's general. So all of our data suggests statewide is that that's still the three leading substances. Okay. Brandy, I'd like to turn to you. Hope Services is generally the first point of contact for most homeless people, and you also manage the homeless point in time count. And I just want to remind everybody that we spoke with both Brandy and Sharon Hirota a few weeks ago, and you may hear that conversation about homelessness at kwxx.com or b97hawaii.com. But Brandy, remind us, what exactly is the role of Hope Services? Hope Services, we are the homeless provider in our community providing homeless outreach where we go out into the streets, into the cars and parks, um, engage with those who are experiencing homelessness, offer them emergency shelter, and help them ultimately get into affordable housing. And you also run the shelters here on the island and you run the affordable housing. Yes. Okay, so you guys do it all. Yes. So how many of the homeless folks that you see would you believe have substance abuse problems or mental health problems? So a lot of our data that we collect is self-reported so for the persons that we see. Yeah, so if we look at that data, it's actually very low. It's like 30%. But from what we gather from our outreach staff and the people that actually work directly with them is by their observation and behavior, they would increase to about 60 to 75%. Interesting. Because yeah. see, one of the things we talked about a few weeks ago was the fact that there are people that you see, Brandy, who are interested in getting into housing, but there's also people who are not interested in getting into housing, and a lot of people believe those are people with substance abuse problems. In the reading and research I was doing, it appeared that a lot of experts believe that mental health issues and substance abuse issues are very much intertwined. Now, Dr. Hanna, What do you say about that? I would say it's co-occurring. So when we have an individual that's coming in for some sort of addiction, the likelihood of them having a mental health disorder is about 99%. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's, it's almost 100%. Interesting. Brandy, are these people those who want help or don't want help? Tell us more about that population. Well, oftentimes what we would see is people who are untreated for mental health. Like that's who we see first, right? The ones that we would get calls or complaints about from our community. And that's just really difficult to see if that's really truly mental health or if it's an addiction until they actually go and get treatment. So that's really more just our observations that we're documenting and not necessarily our clinical advice, our clinical assessment until they get connected to our community partner like Big Island Substance Abuse Council. Well, that's what I really want to talk about today. And in looking online to see what capabilities are available here on the Big Island, it sounds like there's a lot, but I'm not clear there is. The State Department of Health has an adult mental health division. BISAC, your organization, Dr. Hannah, has locations here on the island. Access Capabilities treats substance abuse on the Kona side. Mental Health Kokua has a nice website indicating they have outpatient facilities on Oahu and Maui. And they do have a tab for residential services, but it wasn't clear to me where those are if they actually exist. And Brandy indicated a few weeks ago that we really don't have a place for somebody to go if they are a substance abuser and they want help, that we don't have those facilities. So, Dr. Hannah, 
Talk about what solutions exist here on the island in reality. We actually got accredited. We're, we're very fortunate. And in, in February, we are going to be the first residential treatment center here on this island. Really? Which is significant for us. That's Super huge. Awesome. Yes. And so what does that mean for BISAC? It means that we'll be able to expand the continuum of care. We provide a lower level called therapeutic living program, which is about a three-month program, 72 days, three months. It's basically structured, but not as structured as a residential treatment center. So if we have a residential treatment center, it'll be residential, therapeutic living program, and clean and sober program. It'll probably take our clients into treatment for about nearly a year. So right now, if somebody needs substance abuse treatment, even though you have a, quote, structured program, what you sound like you're saying to me is that it's not a live-in program. So where are the people while they're in the program? Yeah, so we have a live-in program right now, but it's a step down from residential, but it's only 24 beds, and that's for both men and women. We have a waiting list right now currently for men at about six months. Our current vision and strategic plan is to actually build a one-stop shop where we can expand the capacity of care to include at least a 50-bed facility. And that would be great for us because we would be able to leave our families and our individuals on island. They can be treated here. What's the difference between what you have now, the 24-bed facility, and what you're talking about? Okay, so for the residential care, it requires a medical director to be on call. We have a medical director that works hand in hand with us, but it's basically where we meet the service needs according to state licensure as a therapeutic living program. So with this new accreditation through CARF, we will be able in the next couple of months to open it up to a residential treatment center. Through CARF, what is CARF? CARF is an accreditation. It's a national accreditation service. Cool. For mental health facilities? For, For behavioral health, yes. Fabulous. Now, what is the role of our island hospitals? I know that at one point, Kona Hospital had a psych unit. Don't know if they still do. If somebody has a mental health problem, can they get immediate help at our hospitals, or is that a challenge? Well, I think our hospitals are doing the best that they can. So I'm just going to speak on part with Hilo Medical Center. I know that a couple years ago, they closed down the mental health wing. I don't know what the reason was, but it really was an impact in our community. They've been really helpful with providing some of the services that they need, but it's not where it's more long-term or inpatient services. I've been hearing that they're working towards it, so I don't know where they are with that. And a brief interruption, after we recorded this interview, I talked with Judy Donovan, who's with Kona Community Hospital. She confirmed that Kona Hospital does have a 10-bed behavioral health unit, which is where folks do get admitted if they have mental health issues. Now back to our discussion. Tell us more about how this long-term residential facility will operate, where you're going to get the funding, what the county should be doing to participate in this. Give us more the lay of the land of what your plans are. Okay, so without giving it all away. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) And what I I can. (laughs) What we are basically looking at is expanding the capacity to care and the continuum of care. And what it's going to look like is that we are starting off with our our adult population and basically increasing bed space for our adult population and our moms and babies program. Eventually, in the next couple of years, when that is settled, then we're looking at a residential treatment center for our adolescents as well. Right now, currently, um, for about maybe 30 years, Bobby Benson Center on Oahu has been the only residential treatment center for our adolescents. And I think most recently, 
recently a five-bed facility opened up in Kauai. So there is a need here. I know um, working at Bobby Benson in the past, majority of the kids that are there are from Hawaii Island. Really? Yes. And these are kids how old and what's their problem? They're from 12 to 18 years old. So a lot of them have dual diagnosis. So they're dealing with addiction as well as some sort of mental illness. Wow. And that's got to be really hard, though, also having them off island. That's right. If a family wants to be supportive. That's right. It's very difficult, especially when they have like family group settings and families are not able to show up. Hmm. So the facility you have in mind, it would be a residence in Hilo. Yes. Could people go there from all over the island? Yes. And would this be for people who have the capability to pay for a residential treatment program, or would it cater to the homeless population that Brandy encounters? We take in anyone, wherever they're at. So when it comes to like funding for treatment, we do receive state and federal funding, and we do bill third-party insurance. So if an individual has Medicaid, welfare, um, Medicare, um, they'll cover services. Hmm. That's good. So Brandy, if you in the future, once this exists, get clients who say, yes, I am ready to have treatment, is Dr. Hannah's treatment facility the, the place? <laughs> yes. So that's definitely what's been missing in our community when they're ready and they want to accept help, having a resource that's readily available, as, as Dr. Hannah mentioned, she has wait lists. And so there's just a high demand of need in our community, not just for the homeless population, just our community in general. I think most of the people struggling with addiction is actually housed. Yeah. Brandy, at this point, when you do, you know, one of the big frustrations of the community is not my next door neighbor who may be an addict, but is living in his house or her house and they're really not causing problems. One of the big frustrations in the community these days is the homeless people who are impeding the way of life of the average everyday citizen, whether it's because they're living on the sidewalk that one wants to walk on or they're, well, just here at this radio station just last night, my boss told me that there was a person who was clearly having mental health issues pounding on the generator, pounding on the door, things like that. So what do you do today if those people actually say to you, okay, I'm ready to get help? What do you do today? Today we offer them emergency shelter, kind of the first step to get them into a safe place. So since they're ready and they want help, that would be our first offering of service because we also manage shelters both Hilo, Puna, and Kona. And what if they want treatment? then we will connect them with BISAC, which would oftentimes be like outpatient since we already provide them the shelter. Okay, but you don't really have an excellent solution. Well, it's, it's shelter it. and services. Right? <laughs> okay. So it takes housing and services. And a brief interruption to remind you, this is Island Conversations, and I'm Sherry Bracken. First thing, I want to let you know that I posted a bonus Island Conversations about a 20-minute conversation with Brian Shiro from the Hawaiian Volcano Observatory. He's a seismologist, and we talked about the California earthquakes, how they might affect us, when a tsunami could be generated to us from the West Coast, about earthquake early warning systems and more. You may find that interview where you find all the past island conversations at kwxx.com or at b97hawaii.com or wherever you get podcasts. Today, we're talking with Brandy Menino of Hope Services, and we're talking with Dr. Hannah Preston-Pita of Big Island Substance Abuse Council. One of the things that we haven't talked much about is what the island's doing about substance abuse and mental health, particularly for homeless people. And that's what we're talking about today. For next week, and actually the week beyond, do you have children? Do you have a house? Do you have savings account? 
what are the kinds of legal documents that you need to have if any of those things are true, or if you think that one day you might actually die like we all will. Next week, attorney Darl Gleed and Dr. Norm Goody will talk to us about all the kinds of documents that we need to know about, and for those that are health-related, such as a power of attorney for health care, when somebody else might make health-related decisions for you, Dr. Goody will help us understand the implications of the decisions we make in those documents. Before we get back to today's conversation, a word from KTA Superstores, which has been supporting nonprofit entities and sports teams on this island for more than 100 years. At KTA, local and fresh means you get the very best Hawaii Island has to offer. The grass-fed meats you find at KTA are raised without added hormones or antibiotics. Our seafood department is stocked with sustainable choices caught in local waters by local fishermen. KTA carries the largest selection of Hawaii Island homegrown produce. Our mountain apple brand is all local so you know it's fresh and delicious. Local and fresh always tastes best at KTA. And now back to Brandy Menino of Hope Services and Dr. Hannah Preston Pita of Big Island Substance Abuse Council. Something that the police have talked to me about is the LEAD program which is coming up law enforcement assisted diversion. Now, Dr. Hannah, I know you're familiar with this. Tell us what it is and how it might help. We have been very fortunate to sort of take the lead for the Alcohol and Drug Abuse Division, State of Hawaii, Department of Health. And what it's basically doing is it's helping our island. We are actually with other islands, us, Oahu and Maui, are actually working on implementing this program. It's been, I think, in effect on Oahu for about a year and a half. So about three, four months ago, we were asked to kind of take the lead on this lead project. And it's basically to help provide diversion efforts for people who are low-level offenders, So it could be someone who is urinating in public, where we provide them or we triage services and we provide those services for them. How would the police play into this? So we'll be doing like shotgun. We'll be accompanying them to these sites and providing that direct service. So I just want to put out there that we've been in good partnerships with Hope Services, our mayor, Sharon Hirota, as well as our chief of police and prosecuting attorney's office that this would not happen if we didn't have their buy-in and support. So is the LEAD program in effect now or it's going into effect? It is actually probably in August. Okay. So very excited. Well, this all sounds good. Now, you know, Brandy, you've spoken often of Housing First as being the solution. When I was reading everything to try to get ready for today, I found in the U.S. National Library of Medicine from the National Institutes of Health site a publication called the Journal of Social Distress and Homeless. They've written papers saying that there are two prominent models. One is the housing first, meaning what we do here now, trying to get people into housing no matter what. The other approach they call the linear model, and that supports the goal of first abstaining from alcohol and drugs. And they're saying that neither approach is fully conclusive. And I know, Brandy, you're working on the housing first idea. Tell us what you know about that, because clearly the substance abuse is issues and the mental health issues are huge. But Mm -hmm. why are we choosing housing first rather than trying to get people to agree to abstain before they move into your housing? Right. So actually, that was the old model, the linear, requiring someone to be sober and in clear of mind and not have these mental illnesses was the old model. Like, go get better, 
go get treatment, do that first, and then come back and see me, and then we'll help you for housing. That actually helped prolong their homelessness. They stay on the streets, you know, so the housing first approach is actually, our community has adopted that strategy about three years ago, and really trying to implement the true practices of housing first, which is people don't get better until they actually are in housing. And then you continue to work with them and get connected to these services, whether it's addiction, whether it's mental health treatment, whether it's connecting them to their faith community, whether it's connecting them to employment or going back to school. But people need a safe place to go and then work on everything else. They're in survival mode. Yeah, What we see, whether they um, have addictions or mental health issues, is that there is a common thread of trauma. Men and women, families that are experiencing homelessness are experiencing trauma. We were clearly involved in last year in the relief efforts of the disaster. And then that's part of our homeless population now is people who are still displaced because their homes are destroyed um, in the Kilauea eruption. We have people every day, you know, there's domestic violence every day in our community are fleeing from DV that need a safe place to go. So to tell them like, go fix that, your DV problem, and then come see me, that's not realistic. So we need to provide them housing first and connect them to services as well. Dr. Hannah, the new facility you're talking about, you're gonna have to build a physical facility, I take it. Or possibly find a facility that can accommodate our services. Okay, those are good options. (laughs) Now, you know, the county, the mayor says he's committed to addressing the homeless problems. And I know that the state has provided the county with about $4 million to build the facilities that we talked about a few weeks ago with both Sharon Hirota from the mayor's office and Brandy Menino. Is the county giving BISAC any money to support this effort, which is a critical effort toward solving our homeless problem? I think for us, it's just a matter of finding a place before we can actually start planning. County has always been a very big support of BISAC. So I'm sure in future meetings with them, it could be a possibility. And we were just awarded a grant and aid from the state ledge oh, fabulous. to actually get that started. So I think we're on our way. It's just a matter of finding a location. <laughs> oh, a location. So if anybody has location yeah, in our community, you, yes. has any you ideas, help us out. Yeah. call <laughs> Hannah. How much money did you get for the grant and aid? We got $100,000. Okay. And what kind of a location are you looking for? Oh, we're looking for something that can actually house about 50 bed spaces. Okay. So like- Treatment facilities. I will say an industrial type building or a residential looking building? We'll make it work. We'll make <laughs> (laughs) at work. (laughs) Residential, industrial, in fact, we're actually in an industrial building right now that we were able to convert into office spaces and treatment centers. So we can make it work. Dr. Hannah, tell us more things that we should know. Okay, so I just wanted to kind of comment on what Brandy said about the um, housing housing first yes. model. What we see is that taking care of basic needs are very, very important in order to make the work start. So I'm going to use an example of a client who's coming in off of the streets. It's, sometimes it's very difficult if they know that they have no house to return to. So having that model implemented, I think stabilizing them there at first and then sort of meeting their needs later on and treating like the mental health or the substance abuse is is key right now. If ordinary people want to get help treating substance abuse, 
what should they be looking for? Who should they be calling right now? Because I think a lot of people don't realize that we have any capability at all on this island. So give us some guidance on that. So you can call our offices at 969-9994, or you can visit our website at www.bisac.org. And if you cannot help, are you willing to refer to oh, of other? of course, of course. If it's outside of our scope of service, then we always make that referral, and we follow them along the way. Good. Anything else to add, Brandy Menino? Yeah, I would want to share what we've been partnering with Hui Malama, Naoi Vinui. Okay. Um, so we have a new initiative and partnership, I think about seven weeks now. And hopefully we're going to be adding a behavioral health specialist from Big Island Substance Abuse Council soon. But this partnership is really a physician. Their doctor, Dr. Akiona, has been accompanying our outreach team on the streets and providing wound care and engaging with those who are otherwise wouldn't access health care. But, you know, she I just met with her earlier this week of talking about what their experiences has been so far in the last seven weeks. So they go out every Wednesday for about two hours, six to eight in the evenings, engaging with those who are experiencing homelessness in downtown Hilo to see what kind of medications. That's what we're finding is people are off their medications. They're not taking their medications. They don't have their prescription. They're not connected to their medical home. You know, they're lost in the system. They were connected and no longer connected. So trying to make that navigation. Well, when you say medical home, what do you really mean? Their physician, you know, so that's kind of the new language in the healthcare community. The physician is the conduit, the person that is in charge of their healthcare. So whether it was a clinic or a private physician, they're no longer connected. And so we're trying to bridge them back to their medical home. And if they are not um, with any physicians, uh, then we're connecting them with Hui Malama Noi Vinui and enrolling them with their clinic and with the doctor. So what we're seeing is like we really need behavioral health accompanying us on this team. So once she's doing the healthcare part and the physical aspects of their person, then having that talk story with the behavioral health specialist of how we can help them further. So that this idea or this healthcare for the homeless strategy is really to help people who are struggling with mental health by providing and engaging, uh, making sure their physical health is good and is stronger, and then how we can connect them to mental health care quicker. So it's really something that's new that's happening in Hilo. And um, I know Hannah has been very interested in getting one of her team members on as well. So we're just partnering all together. Like street medicine, it's an amazing thing. It's very successful on Oahu, and they've taken the lead. Is there any plan to do a similar program on the Kona side of the island? The similar program actually is already being done by West Hawaii Community Health Center. So they have their behavioral specialists that are connecting and, you know, inside providing their own medical care and connecting them to their medical home. You know, when you talk about connecting somebody to a medical home and you talk about homeless people who have medications, I don't even know where they keep their medications, how they keep their medications straight. Yeah. I mean, it's hard enough for ordinary people who take medication to keep it organized, to remember to take it, to take it at the right time. As a homeless person, it's kind of puzzling to me how that would even happen. Yeah, it's in the back burner. That's not part of their survival. Staying warm, staying fed and clothed is what they're surviving. Where they get their medications is actually different pharmacists or wherever they pick up their scripts. So whether it's downtown Longs, here in Hilo, or Shiggy Drugs, you know, so it's easy and it's accessible, yeah. Are they getting drugs because they're on state Medicaid, which is Quest, I believe? Medicaid or Medicare. 
Brandy Menino, Hope Services, thank you so much for joining us again. Aloha. My pleasure. Thank you. Dr. Hannah Preston Pita, thank you so much for being with us. I really appreciate your letting us know what the future plan is. And I am certainly hoping, as I think all citizens are, that this future plan works really well. Do you need volunteers or do you need people to assist you in any ways? Oh, I know that Brandy course. at Hope Services yes. always does. We, we need interns. <laughs> do you? <laughs> volunteers, yes. Okay. Or remind us office. Remind us again what your okay. phone number is. 969-9994. And I believe you have facilities all over the island. You have yes. Kona Side and Hilo? Yes. We're in 32 middle schools and high schools island-wide. You we are? We have a Kona Site, yes. What do you do in the high schools and we middle schools? prevention. Well, tell us. Prevention intervention. So we are actually island-wide when it comes to our prevention programs. And this is basically where we're helping kids, adolescents, build skills and sort of prevent them from using substances. It's called a school-based program and we have um, several counselors who work closely with our school, schools and the, and the kids that are at the schools and it's basically where it could be a self-referral from the, from the kid itself or it could be from teachers or counselors that are saying that these kids are experiencing some sort of um, issues pertaining to either family issues at home possibly risk, risk behaviors that would trigger future use. You actually do prevention programs in 32 schools on the island. Tell us more about that. Yes, yeah, so the 32 middle schools and high schools on island is, it's basically where, um, it's like a mentoring program too. So it allows kids to meet others and they learn coping strategies and um, skill building activities that help them see alternatives to drug use. Is this a part of a regular class curriculum or is it separate outside after it's separate. school? It's separate. So it can happen during school or it can happen after schools. And so usually our skill building activities are happening like after schools where they go to the beach or they go to the mall, but they learn these skill building activities after school hours. Is that all the schools on the island? Majority, not all, because you have some immersion schools. But it's most of the schools? Most of the schools. Okay. Wow. Very good. Does BISAC help communicate to all students about the downfalls, the pitfalls of drug use and alcohol use, or is just a select group? It's a select group, unless we are invited by the administrators to actually provide um, information to parents in, in parent, parent meetings or to the kids in their health classes. Well, that sounds like a super valuable service since if you can keep kids aware of the downfalls of alcohol and drug use when they're young, hopefully they will never be your clients' patients as they get older. Yes, that's definitely very, very important. How's it working out? Oh, it's awesome. We've been doing it for about 30 years, I want to say. Oh, good. Thank you for talking about that. Yeah, and then we're in Kona, and we're in the industrial area, actually a block away from Brandy's shelter. <laughs> our admin office is in Keaau in the Shipman Business Industrial, and then we have our Wainui Nui office, which is our one of our outpatient sites. Okay, very good. Thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate it. Aloha. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you so much for being with us for Island Conversations. I'm Sherry Bracken. Next week, I'll see you with Dr. Norm Goody and Attorney Darrell Gleed, so we can learn everything we can about legal documents that we should understand. Until then, please, let's all live and drive with aloha. Ahoy ho. Thank you for listening to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, available anytime at kwxx.com. We welcome your feedback and suggestions at info at kwxx.com. Join us next week for another Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916.